Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here. It's finally coming to you live-ish. It is our postseason review. Dave Hendrick joining me as always. We will be going through all 20 clubs, discussing what their summer and winter grades were, what we made of their season, the moves they need to make this summer to get better for 2019-20. Buckle in, it's going to be here a while. We will probably be breaking this into two parts, um, but stay tuned for all of it. It'll be great content. And also, this season, we made sure to get letter grades from each of our guests that did season review segments for their clubs. So if you're interested in hearing their version of events, uh, be sure to check those out, of course, also on the EPL Roundtable channel. Enough blabbering from me now, though, before I do so for a much longer period of time. Dave, an absolute pleasure to have you back on. Always a pleasure to be on, Kev. I, I do look forward to doing these. Unfortunately, we were a little bit held up this year. Um, there was a game on last weekend we won't <laughs> talk about, but there was a game on last weekend that held up our season review, but we're here now. Yeah, it would have been incomplete had it not included the Champions League final, which some Tottenham fans confirm may or maybe did not happen. Um, but anyway, of course, you can find Dave on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore, but he is uh, private, so... You can try to follow if you want. But uh, anyway, uh, this will be quite long, so we'll just dive into it. We'll start off with Arsenal. And Dave, it was a weird season for Arsenal because on paper, they were, air quotes, better than last season. Finished with seven more points. Um, You get Aubameyang and Lacazette firing in the goals. The signings of Guendouzi and Torreira in the summer, both of us liked. And obviously, both of them ended up being uh, solid, although Torreira kind of drifted towards the end of the season. Also, I have to kind of eat some a little bit of crow on Bernd Leno, who was significantly better than I expected. Still not great, but I thought it was kind of going to be a dumpster fire, and he ended up playing well. <laughs> like I said, the, the attacking pairing, Aubameyang and Lacazette, 35 of the club's 37 goals came from those two, which is great from those two, except if you look at their scoring charts, you have to go all the way down to six with Aaron Ramsey, who has now left on a free. So yeah, that, that's that's going to need addressing. We'll get to that in a second. The defense was a mess. Um, finished ninth in goals allowed, which was a little unsurprising considering their squad, especially uh, the injury to Bellerin. I know neither of us are that high on Bellerin, but the drop off was significant. Licksteiner was already past it when they signed him. We talked about that in the summer show that that <clears throat> their signings were a weird blend of up and coming talents and players that were already a little bit past it. Um, Licksteiner obviously being one of them and has already left the club. So that was a pretty short stay there um, for him. Um, It was a little surprising that the defense struggled that much, only in the sense that Emery is meant to be a little bit better of a defensive manager, but it's hard to outcoach the talent you have on your team. Uh, On the whole, 
Arsenal's away form, I think, is really what did them in, which isn't really that surprising. Eight of their ten losses coming away from the Emirates. Uh, and they hired a manager that already had that issue. Unai Emery, over his history as a manager, has struggled with away matches. That was already their biggest issue last season under Wenger. So it was a little weird to see them double down and be like, we'll win at home and lose away. Let's see where that leaves us. Turns out, leaves you outside of the top four. They had they were very close at the end. Um, if they get a result against Brighton, they go into the last day knowing that they have a chance to, to make it to the Champions League. Unfortunately for them, not for me, they were unable to do that. But they were close, but just not close enough. And it's crazy how frequently Arsenal versus Tottenham for a top four spot has come down to just a point or goal difference or, or something like that. But uh, they do fall up short. I've given them a D because they had two opportunities. They both had the domestic opportunity where they should have caught up to Tottenham and didn't. And then they, of course, had the European opportunity against Chelsea where they wholly failed to show up for that match in any meaningful way and got played off by Hazard in his swan song for Chelsea. So if you're Arsenal and you miss out on top four, you get a D from me. Dave, what did you think? Uh, it was hard to argue with any of what you said. I mean, their away form was abysmal. Their defense was laughably poor at times. Um, I think finally the myth of Kashalny can be consigned to a bin where it has always belonged. Um, Mustafi is basically just another Lovren. And the the bottle uh, question mark kind of showed up again. You mentioned that they needed to beat Brighton, but Kev, let me remind you that in the games leading up to that, they also lost to Everton. They lost at home to Crystal Palace. They lost to Wolves. They lost to Leicester. It wasn't just that one game. They lost four of the five before that. And if you're going for Champions League and you lose four of five in April, you do not deserve to be in the Champions League. Arsenal threw it away. Arsenal going into that last six games or last seven games as it is, I thought they were favourites not just to get fourth, to get third. Yeah. Because you guys had the focus of the Champions League. Chelsea were focused on the Europa League. And I thought, here's Arsenal sneaking in. Everybody's eyes are elsewhere. And if they get... And they've done it so much over recent years. And they have. And there's no noticeable difference between the Wenger Arsenal and this new, allegedly improved, Emery Arsenal. They can't defend. They're terrible at home and they've got no bottle. And I thought their performance in the final was an absolute disgrace. Um, I didn't think Chelsea played well. Uh, I didn't understand the hype over any individual performance. I thought I didn't think anybody played well in the game. Hazard had a couple of great moments. But over the the, the course of the 90 minutes, it was one of the worst cup finals I've ever seen. Um, I, I would give them a D. Um, and I, I would, again, like you, go back to last summer and ask why on earth they brought in Licksteiner, spent that much money on Socrates, spent that much money on Leno. I know he was better better than expected, but when you expect a dumpster fire, then a car crash, <laughs> it, it you know seems like an improvement. He uh, he made a lot of mistakes for me, and he you know he conceded a lot of goals and. I just look at that Arsenal team and I think there's so much work to do. And, you know, when it comes down to it, there's talk that they're getting big offers for Aubameyang from China. 
they should in take Barcelona them. allegedly sniffing around Lacazette. Uh take them. Take them and rebuild. Maybe Lacazette you can keep because he's what, twenty six? Obert, I think, is thirty or he turns thirty pretty soon. Take it, get rid, take whatever you can for Osel, get rid, take whatever you can for Mkhitaryan, get rid. Get rid of those players, get some money in, clear off. I mean, you've got to be looking at, what, 300 grand a week to Ozil, 200 to Aubameyang, and I'd imagine Mkhitaryan's on about the same. That's 700 grand a week on, yeah, Aubameyang is still producing and he's a fabulous player, but he's going to decline. And when his pace goes, he's going to decline a lot because Mm. his finishing is is not particularly good. He misses a lot of good chances. The other two aren't contributing anything. You also need to look at getting rid of the likes of Xhaka, Mustafi, Koscielny, uh, Kolasinac, uh, Nacho Monreal. All of those guys need to go and you need to build a new team. Whether or not Emery's the guy for that, I don't know. I don't know if he'll have the patience. I don't know if he'll get the time. But they need to clean house. For me, looking at that Arsenal team, in three years' time, there's only two players I'd want. And that's Lacazette and Torreira. There's a couple of good squad players there. But aside from that, I think Arsenal need major, major surgery. The biggest need this summer, though, has to be a centre-back, a top-end centre-back. You can't get anywhere without one. Yeah, I agree. And for their biggest need, I think centre-back is certainly one of them. Although I have actually opted here for um, a goal-scoring midfielder. Like I mentioned, the drop-off was so significant. Um, down to Ramsey, who himself is now gone, that I just think that that somebody that, that could score from the midfield will be very important. Um, the player that I've <clears throat> highlighted is uh, Rodrigo De Paul, currently at Udinese. I know uh, you view him more as a winger, and he can play there, so he is versatile in that way, and maybe you use him for that, um, considering what you're getting out of Mkhitaryan and, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles probably leaves much to be uh, improved upon Awobi as well. Um, but if you put him in there with Torreira and, and Guendouzi, Guendouzi can hold it up, Torreira, uh, uh, well, he'd probably be back there as well. Um, and then Rodrigo DePaul would kind of carry the ball for me. Um, just just an option there. But a goal-scoring midfielder on the whole, I think, is perhaps even more needed than a defender because unless it's somebody of like Van Dyke's quality, and there aren't any of those on the market this summer, I don't think that one centre-back would fix their issues right now. But they scored 73 goals in the league last year. I don't think goal scoring is the issue. The issue is conceding 51. If you take Mm. even 10 goals off that, you're going to be much better off. It doesn't take a Van Dyke. It it really doesn't. Um, You you could go into the market and buy a very good centre-back for probably 25. They could go and buy someone like a Jonathan Thaw who has the potential to be very, very good. They could go and buy Deirupa Meccano. He might cost 40 million, but the potential is sky high. And Or, you know, they could look at Costas uh, Manolas from Roma, might well be interested mm-hmm. in leaving. 35 to 40 million. I know you and I are both fans of uh, national centre-backs yeah, also being Yeah, absolutely. Teaming. And then you get, you get the two of them together. They've got common language they know each other i i think if they could bring in a, a like a top class and back i'm not talking about world class i'm not talking about virgil or koulibaly or scrinier or or any of those elite level guys they're just like a very good center back i i just think if they could knock 10 goals off that goals against tally that will help them get top four 
Then they go and they add another one of those centre-backs, get that tally down to, you know, sub-35. And then all of a sudden, you, you're looking at a, a very strong unit. Like, you, you look at your team and how you guys build. You brought in Jan. That helped bring your goals against tally down. Toby's then you nice. brought in Toby. And ha- having Jan helped you get Toby. True. That's why he was so... so um, you know, adamant about going to you guys because his, his mate was already there. Then, of course, when Davinson Sanchez and everybody wanted him, when he's on the market, where does he want to go? He wants to go to the club that he knows have two former Ajax centre-backs who speak on, in glowing terms about how they're treated at Spurs. He obviously goes Shame there. He didn't and work on the league, though. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's just a money thing. I, I honestly think... If he was forty million, I would put you right in the top bracket to get mm. him. But I think at the seventy-five, it's most likely going to take with the stadium and Spurs having a couple more needs. We've hijacked this already. Talk with Spurs <laughs> during um, the Arsenal think, segment, which I'm I sure think they'll it's love. Taking it out, yeah, you know, like. But I, I think if they went, and they bought say Costas Manolas for about forty million. Do you I think he'd I go to think, a non-Champions League club? Yeah, I think he would. I think he would at this point in his career. I think if, well, there would be a reason Arsenal would pay him a lot more money than Roma pay him. And I'm not sure I see a huge amount of Champions League clubs being willing to spend that kind of money on a 29-year-old centre-back where they could potentially just push the boat a little bit further, go and get maybe a Schrinier for $50 million. Mm. Um I think a club outside the top four who's willing to spend will get him. Interesting. Well, I definitely agree that a center back would improve them, but it's okay for uh, us to disagree on what we think is the biggest priority for them. Um, Next up, we will talk about Bournemouth. Um, Just for those interested, gave them uh, very favorable grades, a B plus and a B in the windows. They they finished 14th, which is probably a little bit disappointing for them. What did you make of Mm. their season? Yeah, I, I think they'll be disappointed by the 14th place finish. The defence, again, remains a massive, massive issue. Third worst defence in the league with 70 goals conceded. Um, and given that they spent quite heavily on, you know, Nathan Aki and, and Begovic over the last couple of years, I, I think they'll be disappointed there. They've obviously addressed it, though. They went and they bought Metham in January. And I think there's signs there that him and Aki could form a good partnership. Uh, this this summer, they've brought in Lloyd Kelly, snatched him right from under the nose of Liverpool, uh, possibly paid a little bit on the high end for him. But I think they have to, to you know, to compete with the, the bigger clubs. Um, they had Nathaniel Klein there on loan. It doesn't look like they'll keep him. I, I think they had a good season overall. And look, for a club like Bournemouth, I think every season where they survive is a good season. I, th- I think you have mm. to be fair. They operate on a small budget. They've got a tiny, tiny uh, stadium that's not bringing in a huge amount of money. Their sponsorship deals aren't huge. You know, they're, they're not a very profitable club. But I think they're very well run. I think Eddie Howe is a good coach, though maybe a little bit overhyped because he's he's British. He's he um, started to show a little bit more naivete this season than I'd seen from him yeah. in the past. And maybe that's just watching him more closely because I did think he might be a decent replacement for... Pochettino, if you were to I don't know if it's naivety or it's he's a little bit more conservative. I think some of the bravado we saw from him in his first couple of years in the Premier League, where 
nobody expected them to, to come into the Premier League. Remember, this is a club that almost went out of business when Eddie Howe was there in his first spell. Um, I think there was some bravado there and a, and a, you know what, let's just go for it because what have we got to lose? Whereas now they're established and the drop-off in money obviously is huge to go to the championship and they've got a number of players there on on quite high wages that they've brought in. Um, I think he's it, it's a little bit more conservatism from him. Um, in terms of what they need this summer, I think they, they need a right-back I think they've got quality in midfield. We know with Brooks, um, we know with uh, Cook when he gets back from the injury, Jefferson Lerma, if they can hang on to Frazier, that's a quality midfield four. They've got good options up front if they can keep everybody. The biggest need for them is a goalkeeper. I think that's where they have to go and spend money this summer. They have to address the goalkeeper situation. Begovic was always a bit of a, a myth in terms of good shot stopper, but makes a lot of mistakes, overrated with his feet. I think I think if he was ever the keeper that people thought he was, he would never have ended up at Stoke and then at, at Bournemouth. Um, a goalkeeper's got to be the priority for them. I would go for Nick Pope if I was them. I think he would fit really well into what how they play in terms of how we've seen them use their goalkeeper uh, with um, Arthur... Boric and then with Begovic I think Pope is an upgrade on both of them I think he fits really well and I think Burnley will be open to selling him despite the new contract I think if they went to Burnley with somewhere between 12 and 15 million they'd get him and I think that would solve a number of their problems yeah goalkeeper definitely a a big big need for them Uh, Brooks proved to be fantastic in his first year i don't think fraser gets much better than this if i was them i might actually consider selling on um allegedly arsenal were mildly interested um but they've shown interest in in players from that kind of caliber club before um and and not really pursued it but um those two were great callum wilson i don't know if you even remember this but tottenham were interested in callum wilson like three to four years ago and everyone myself included was like why and this was a, a season where you could kind of see uh, the interest there. Jefferson Lerma is just the worst. <laughs> but I agree with a, a lot of your assessments. They, they tried to sort the wingback situation out by bringing in Diego Rico because both uh, Charlie Daniels and, um, on the other side, Adam Smith, if memory serves, um, dealt with injuries, but they weren't really able to figure out either of those. So uh, I agree with you. Maybe just wait to see if those guys come back healthy. Um, try to keep hold of Fraser and Wilson and just upgrade the goalkeeper. And I think you'd, you'd see a top 10 finish. Yeah, I think I think a goalkeeper and a right back. And I think they'll be they'll be in good shape. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying about Fraser. I don't think he gets any better. I don't think Wilson gets any better either. But I think if they can just sustain this level, and I think if the likes of Cook can come back in and take his game to the next level, I think he's definitely capable of it. The same with Brooks then I think they will improve. The goalkeeper will improve them. The new defensive pairing of Mepham and Aki will only get better. Two very young centre-backs. Mm-hmm. So just the natural progression of some of the players they have, I think will get will, will improve them. Plus you add those two players that I've mentioned. Yeah, I think a top 10 finish is definitely a possibility for them. Um, and I give them a C on the season they've just had. Yeah, I've given them a C plus just because I think they've given themselves a really good like base level. 
that that they can progress from, and they are a pretty young side. And uh, as we've learned with um, Pochettino, having a young manager, things just inherently get better year on year because not only yeah, are the players getting better, one but thing the manager they can't well. do this summer. They they just from and I say this as a Liverpool fan, Bournemouth, do not buy any more English Liverpool players. <laughs> just don't do it. You've given us. £36 million for Jordan Ibe and Dom Solanke, neither of whom are going to be in your first 11 next year. And you gave Bart. us another £6 million for Brad Smith, who's currently playing somewhere in North America, doing God knows what. Stop it. Well Playing the championship. <laughs> uh, yeah, now we'll move on to uh, Brighton, who we mentioned before, uh, did manage to get a few draws down the back stretch, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, we gave them a C plus for their winter grade. This is off the back of signing McAllister and a few other uh, really talented youngsters. And we said, because I think they were, yeah, they were 13th at the time. Mm. And we were saying, you know, you don't really have that many needs right now. You're 13th. You can probably just find yourself across the line come the end of the season. And then you have these kind of fresh young players looking forward. Well, if they only didn't just, they end up finishing 17th. It goes down, was it the last day? It may have been the second to last day. Um, but Cardiff pushed them uh, to the very end of the season. But but Brighton do just escape. Um, Hewton, of course, was a big part of that. Uh, stored them towards, steered them, sorry, towards draws against Arsenal, Wolves, and Newcastle in the last five, which ended up being enough to, to keep them up. Some disappointing results in there as well. The loss to Tottenham on a last-minute Ericsson shot. Uh, after after what was a very hard-fought, they'd view it as, and awful, from my view, uh, performance there. Um, but it was Hewton that really kind of got them to congeal, and I realized the performances weren't that great, but I thought he would at least be able to to be held on to. But he does end up being uh, released at the end of the season from his contract. Interested to get your take on that in a second. But for me, as well as Hewton did while he was there, and this squad has underperformed since the second the, the, the season started, and they aren't that great a squad. I don't know what else they expected. Maybe they just didn't expect to fall down to 17th, but I don't think they were significantly better than 15th. Um, so I thought it, a little bit harsh on Hewton, but here's where it makes sense to me. We mentioned the, the, the youngsters coming through. Is Chris Hewton the manager you want developing them? I'm a little bit less sure of that, and I'm not sure Potter is the guy, but... I think they should be credited for at least being ambitious, recognizing the direction of their squad, recognizing that it's probably not one that fits the mold that Hewton would want to and has established at the club. Um, and so they've moved on from him there. Obviously, the Tottenham side of me, a little bit sad uh, due to allegiances and such. But uh, on the whole, I don't think it was as bad or embarrassing a decision as a lot of people made it for some reason. I have given them a D plus on the season, which kind of, Negates what I was just saying about how well of a job Hewton did, because um, they 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 forced themselves into the relegation fight and only just won it. But they do stay up. Um, th- this grade will be higher by the end of the summer, just because uh, th- they'll have that new direction more in place. We'll see the other players that they bring in to kind of join this youth movement that they're trying to push through. Uh, but yeah, D plus for me. Pretty disappointing season from Brighton, and it gets Hewton the sack. Yeah, I mean, I think giving them credit for getting themselves safe is like giving Donald Trump credit for fixing the southern border crisis <laughs> in America that he started 
Um, they put themselves in the relegation battle. They had no business being there. Um, I, I think in I, I thought I was surprised when Hewton got sacked. I was, and you know he's a former Republic of Ireland international, so obviously I've got allegiances to him there. I think he is a good manager. I think he's the type of guy who'll get you out of the championship and and can make you solid in the Premier League. But I do think there's a ceiling to what he can accomplish with any team. Um, so I think that's where you know his path again will be to go back down into the championship, take a club, bring them up, keep them safe for a couple of years, and then get moved on. And that's absolutely fine. Um, and he's very good at that. But it was time for him to go. I think Potter is a very, very good appointment. A um, little bit surprised he left Swansea so quickly because based on what I watched from them, it looks like his methods take a little bit of time to get implemented. And it was only kind of towards the end of the season I thought we saw Swansea really start to play the way you thought he wanted them to play. So that's going to be a hard transition coming into Brighton, who've played a very specific style under Chris Hewton. Um, there's work that needs doing at both ends. They obviously they have this established centre-back pairing of, of Lewis Duncan and Duffy, but you know, 60 goals conceded is a lot of goals to concede, even for a team down there. Um, a team like Brighton, it, it's it's a more than I'd expect. But there's talent in the squad. We we highlighted it last summer. We highlighted it in January. They have brought in some talented young players, and if Potter can get those young players on the pitch, I think they'll be safe again next year um, if they make the right moves in the market. Overall, I I think yeah, D plus is absolutely fair. I think the need for them has got to be goals though. That's the one thing they've got to find this summer. They cannot survive another season scoring 35 league goals. It just will not happen for them. Yeah, and I think it has to come from the wing. Johan Baksh did not work out this season, maybe under new management. He he can bring something down for which. So, so when you look at like the likes of Jan Bakash and, um, and people that they've brought in, you know, they've brought in a couple of big money attacking players over the last few years. Brought... I liked the Indone signing at the time. Yeah, and they brought in what's his name the year before the the Dutch guy. Um, God, I can't from PSV Eindhoven. Um, they've they've brought in a couple of big money attackers that just haven't worked for them. You feel like if the, if it clicked for them and they could figure out a way to get them in the team the right way and not kind of shoehorn them, there's talent there that could get them enough goals. But like you say, there needs to be goals from wide and creativity from wide because that's not been at the club for a couple of years yeah agreed and they they just need to be pushed like even if um you don't bring in somebody that's more quote-unquote talented in the wing areas it would at least push knockart uh and uh the others on in that position so we'll see if if they add somebody there but i agree that they need to do something there and it sounds like a d plus from both of us uh now on to burnley who had a very odd season they started it in europe and uh the halfway point were in the relegation zone they managed to save themselves get up to 15th um after the second half they finally started getting the goals that they expected but um oh and also um uh, dwight mcneil was a nice little bright mm. spot for them uh out on the left what did you make of burnley's year yeah uh a mixed year for sure. The first half, a complete disaster. And then the post-Joe Hart period, much improved. And obviously, they got themselves safe. They 
sort of rectified the defensive problems they'd had in the first half of the season. Um, did start to score a few more goals. Seeing a player cut like like Dwight McNeil come through their academy and get into the first team is is heartening, and you'd hope he's the first of a of a few that will come along in the next couple of years. Um, there's look, there's a ceiling on this team because of the money involved, the style of play. I think Sean Dyche is also a manager who's quite limited in what he can do with a team. They had a fantastic year, obviously, the season before. But I wouldn't. I would bet my life on them having more seasons like the one they've just had and finishing in the bottom seven or bottom eight than the season before and finishing in the top seven or top eight. Um, I think they just caught light in a in a bottle for one season. I think they can be a solid team from you know in the ten to fourteen spot in the league. But there's needs for sure. They need a, they need more goals. They could do with a striker who's not six foot two <laughs> and who's not a battering ram. Like if they could find a young Jermaine Defoe type of player, um, that would be ideal. And, and the one player I would like to see them go and try and get is Adamola Luckman from Everton. Mm. Um, I think Everton might be open to selling him this summer. They weren't last year and they turned in substantial bids from the likes of RB Leipzig and, and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach to hold on to him. And then he barely featured this season in, in terms of league starts. But I think there's a really, really talented player there. And I think if you play him up front with the strikers that they do have, and he just feeds off knockdowns and he gives them the opportunity to, you know, to play the ball in behind, what a new concept this would be for Burnley. Play the ball in behind and run in behind those centre-backs, don't just stand in front of them and have the ball thumped up to you from 70 yards away. Um, They could do different things, and they've got players that can deliver real quality into the box, Um, you know, in terms of Good Johnson, they've got Brady there, delivers great set pieces and, and in open play as well. So there's definitely an opportunity for them to be a little bit more creative, be a little bit more open in how they play. Um. But yeah, Adam Muller-Luckman for me is a really nice fit there. I just think his pace, his style of play and his potential, I think he could use that club as a great springboard to get a move elsewhere maybe. But for them, the, the two years they might get out of him, I think it'd be the best thing they could do. Even if it cost them 15 to 20 million. The money has to be there. They've been in the Premier League now for a couple of years. They've sold players for big money and not really spent anything. So... This has got to be the summer that they back Sean Dyche. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yeah, and I agree that Stryker is in need, and clearly they think so as well because they signed Vidra, who is that kind of pacier, smaller option yeah, uh, last summer, and then that didn't work out at all. And then the, their solution in January was Peter Crouch, who uh, I don't know if the people listening have looked at the uh, non-retained list from Premier League players, but he's already left. What yes, a what a brief stint at Turf Moor for Peter Crouch. And Jonathan Walters has also left, so that's one of the big mass of men. Uh, sorry, two of the big mass of men <laughs> have, have left the club, um, and Stephen Ward has left as well. I mean, they've you know, Anders Lingard, who or Lindegard, who must have been the best paid fourth choice goalkeeper in the world <laughs> over the last year. He's gone too. They have released a number of players, and you would imagine that, you know, the wages that Crouch was on, the wages that Walters was on, the wages that Ward would have been on having been there a long time, and Lindegard as well, that's got to amount to a substantial amount per year that they could turn into, you know a new player to bring in. They held on to Tarkowski last year. They probably shouldn't have. They won't get the same kind of offers this summer. He's So he's likely to stay. They bought Ben Gibson last summer. They've got to just... Ben Mee had a terrible season. The hype over yeah. him last season. He, he believed all his own hype as well and started asking to leave. Had himself a stinker of a year. So hopefully he settles down next year and gets back to being what Ben Mee can be. Uh, but I just think they've got to find a way because they've got good ball players. There's good ball players in their midfield. Like cousin Jeff is is a very good <laughs> midfielder, um, but they just need that that striker with something different. And you're right, Vidra was the one they went for, but Vidra has always done really well in the Championship and struggled in the Premier League over his career. I think Luckman's the one. Yeah, that would definitely benefit them there. Um, what, what was your grade for them? A C minus. Yeah, I've gone with the same. It's uh, eerie how frequently we uh, label the same things, but it should not be a surprise to anyone listening to this now. Um, next up, I have the unenviable task of discussing Cardiff City season uh, for a grade. I've given them a NA, not applicable, just like we did uh, for the winter grade, because if things go differently off the pitch, mm. what happens with Cardiff might not happen. We mentioned how close they were to Brighton. Of course, the tragedy of Emiliano Salah, if he comes in, um, he, he avoids that tragedy, but he had provided the goals for them to get above of Brighton. And the answer is probably. Um, to the side of that, in the summer show, we discussed how their transfer activity was awful from a Premier League perspective, but terrific from a championship one. It legitimately looked like they were just trying to bolster themselves with their Premier League clout to get in all these good championship players for when they go back down. And so for that reason, we gave it a... Uh, well, I listed it as a D for the Premier League and a B plus for the EFL, um, and and that ends up being uh, what happens for them. Clearly, um, obviously, on the season things could have gone way different. Mentioned the tragedy, of course. Um, also, I'm sure people will recall the Chelsea result, where they just got absolutely jobbed by the referees. If that's a win, then you know, then they're in the leading spot versus Brighton down the stretch. Um, which obviously could have seen things go a little bit differently. The injury to Bamba in defense really hurt them. Um, I think Etheridge, though, covered himself in glory in his, his uh, year in the Premier League, might get another chance with somebody um, to, just to kind of back up in the Premier League. But he did well, made a lot of penalty saves, maybe the most in the league, 
Oh. At one point, that was true. I don't know if it ended that way. Um, but it must be said, it's hard to remember a side that's gone down recently with so few players that have a chance at being picked up by other Premier League clubs. Like, who else at that club would anyone be interested if you were running a, a lower half club? Nobody. Etheridge is the one. And, you know, I mentioned Bournemouth needing, needing a goalkeeper, and he'll be an option for them. Um, he is the only one that looked like a Premier League player to me last season. Saul Bamba had had games where he looked good, and then he mm-hmm. had games where he looked like he'd won a raffle. Um, <laughs> the, they, they did. They, they shopped to be a championship club. Salah was their big the swing, and it was the big swing for the fences. And unfortunately, what happened happened, and it it's it's one of the more you know horrendous things that we've we've ever seen. Um, and and the behaviour of the club afterwards in refusing to pay fees and stuff. Um, I'm quite glad they're gone. And also, as a person who's not carved out of gammon, I'm very happy to see Neil Warnock relegated. <laughs> the more Neil Warnock relegations, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I would say this summer they need a new manager because I would fire him just because I don't like him. But I think in terms of play or players, one or two more of the same kind of caliber what they've got. And they're, yeah, they're kind of set up well. Yeah, that's it. They, the, like you say, there's not many of those players that are going to get picked off by Premier League clubs, and if they, you know, they're going to have a bit of money to spend, and if they're willing to spend it, I could see them making a good old go coming straight back up. Um, but yeah, so for me, the biggest need is just sack Neil Warnock. Not to foreshadow too much, but genuine question: Who do you think are more set up to succeed in the Championship next season, Fulham or Cardiff? Cardiff. Agreed. Definitely. Like I said, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Next up, we'll head into Chelsea. They have a twisty tourney season, which is a developing trend from the Premier League this season. They almost get rid of Sarri midway through the campaign. They're so tired of everything that he's done to the club. The football's awful. And look, there they are in third and uh, (laughs) win a European trophy via the Europa League thereby achieving both of their objectives from the start of the season. What did you make of that campaign? Yeah, um, it's hard to to call their league like league season a success, even though they did finish uh, in third. Their points total wouldn't have gotten them top four last season. So for me, I think that the, the league, from a league point of view, it's disappointing for a squad of that caliber. Um, but obviously the Europa League does need to be factored in. They did win it. I I think they're in, in a bad spot, though. If this transfer ban gets upheld, I do think Chelsea are in a bad spot because, as we know, Eden Hazard has now left the club and is going to Real Madrid. Um, that's their best player. They do have Christian Pulisic coming in, and he's very, very good, but he's not anywhere close to the same level. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is most likely out for the entirety of next season. Callum Hudson-Odoi is most likely out for the entirety of next season. And Reese James, is it Reese James, the right back? Yeah, messed up his ankle. Not broken, though, apparently. No, but it, lo- it looked wrecked. It looked like there's some serious ligament damage to that boy's ankle. So he's going to be out for a while. 
Um, they don't seem to want to keep Kovacic, so that's fine. He's on his way. I I think we'll see. I think we'll see Sari leave in the next couple of weeks um, and take up the Juventus job. I could see Angolo Kante wanting to go, and if they can't replace Hazard and they can't replace Kante, um, and, and I mean, they replaced Kante last summer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I just, I, I think they're in a tough spot. Even if they can buy, I don't trust them to buy well because of what we've seen for the last, like how many times have, have you said it, Kev? They bought a lot of players for a lot of money. And they're worse than the players that they sold for less money, you know. It was I, I, something like five of the last six windows. Yeah. So, you know, what's going to change that this summer? Like, I don't see any structural changes really that are going to make a huge difference. The decisions are still being made by someone who doesn't have any knowledge of football. Uh, she's a great businesswoman, but she's no knowledge of football. So, <clears throat> I think they're in a tough spot and. The other thing is, if they have a transfer ban and Ed, Eden Hazard is gone and, and Golo Kante forces his way out, what manager's going to want to go in? Knowing the history of, of the Roman Abramovich... Do you not think it's just Lampard? If it is Frank... I mean, I hope it is. As a Liverpool fan, I really, really hope it's Frank Lampard. But if I'm a Chelsea fan and I, think, and I, I don't have the blue-tinted specs on and I'm not wearing my Frank Lampard full kit... You know, with my uh, with my hat, I, I don't want Frank Lampard as the manager of my football club if I'm a top team because what's he got to show that he's good enough? One season with Derby where he scraped his way into the playoffs and then bottled the playoff final, tactically inept, got by by having probably two of the best players in the championship last year with Wilson and Mount. He won't have next year. Right. Oh, I just think I just don't think he's any hurt. No, don't get me wrong. I think he's proven so far that he's a better manager than Steven Gerrard is so far, based on what I've seen of Gerrard at Rangers. But if this was the <laughs> roles reversed and people were saying Jurgen Klopp is going to leave and Liverpool are going to get Steven Gerrard, I would be apoplectic, Kev. I would be yeah. absolutely spitting fire. I think it's a horrendous idea. So away with them. Hope they do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, C yeah. C for the season. Uh, D for the Premier League campaign, but I, uh, B for the Europa League, so I'll give them a C as an average. Yeah, um, I went on a uh, bit of a Twitter tirade the day that the uh, ban was announced. Of course, we're still going through all the appeals and, and uh, reviews of that situation through CAS, but I said at the time that I actually thought it would be good for them long term um, in so much as, you know, Give Callum Hudson a doy and uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek a whole season. Bring Ampadu into the starting team. Um, just kind of see what you have in all those players, um, and then move forward from there. They've they've had those seasons where they've dipped down to what, what was the post title year? They dropped to like seventh or ninth. I don't remember. Ninth, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have done it with a far more established squad. I think it would be so much more forgivable if they dropped out of the top six entirely, but it was while per- in the pursuit of seeing what they have in these young players if they have this transfer ban. Um, instead of kind of playing your senior players, don't play Willie and sell him to whoever's still going to offer like $35 million for him for no yeah. freaking reason. Um, but like you mentioned, the, the injuries are a concern. I don't know if they're all out as long as you're saying, although I, I admit that... If it's hey, a torn Achilles, yeah. based on... Mar- so. 
so, but, but you're saying if pro. you're saying that maybe one or two months is still missing the whole season then yeah you're probably right but i i don't think they'd all be absent the whole time but still i mean your your point remains that that is no longer really an option of just roll with what you have um especially i, I don't think ngolo kante leaves um but if he did all of a sudden you go from having far too many central midfielders to not enough which would be weird um you'd have barclay and uh Jorginho. Uh, who do you play next to him is drink water gonna water? come back into the team <laughs> right exactly um so i i do think that those injuries to the young players for Chelsea, awful. Also, just for football fans. I think it would have been really fun, even though I despise them with every fiber of my being, it would have been really interesting to see what that elite level of youth talent could actually do uh, with a mm. team of a lot of them. I mean, we we loosely saw it with Leicester, but most of their prospects aren't nearly as highly touted as this Chelsea crew were. Like, Madison's fantastic, but we've been hearing about hudson Adoy for two years. We've been hearing about Loftus-Cheek for three Um so I just thought that would have been interesting. Without those young players, because of the injuries, things start to look really bad really quickly because you're, you're clearly going to have a divided locker room of like the Azpilicuetas and the Luises who, are, who have been there f- through all of the ups and downs, through all of the trophies and well, not. And then this kind of like young group that feels they need to prove it themselves. And here's the thing. There has been a bad vibe in that dressing room for years now. There's been Don't far worry, too much. they might take that and make one of them the manager. Well, possibly, but there's been far too much player power there. <laughs> and the likes of Lampard are to blame for it. Lampard, Terry and Drogba, that era. Mm-hmm. And of course, when they were still there, Aspi Laquette and a couple of others arrived. And they took that up and thought, well, that's the way players behave here. So we're going to do the same. Eden Hazard as well, the prima donna that he was. All this type of thing. Players just quitting on the manager, not being bothered to play. Taking basically entire seasons off in the case of Hazard and, and Courtois. That then fed into the likes of Kepa, who we saw what he did um, in the the Carabao Cup final, where he, frankly, he should never, he shouldn't have played for the rest of the season. He should have just been binned off for the rest of the season and told to go train within the 15s or something until he learned some manners. But that is inbred now in that club. That is in the fiber of that club, and the only way to get rid of it is to get rid of all of those players. So. The rebuild was it was what they needed because there is the talent there. If you look at the young players that they have, James at right back, uh, Ampadu and Christensen as centre backs, um, Hudson Odoi in attack, Pulisic coming in, in attack, Loftus Cheek in midfield. Like there's there's players there to start building something around. There's I mean they must have forty players on loan over the last year. Now I know those rules are going to change. So again. They're either going to have to sell a bunch of players or they're going to have to start integrating those players into the first team squad. I would be in, if it was me, I would want to see us sell us, see them sell off the, you know, the the over earning. Would you still do that with the transfer ban? Yes. Okay. Even more so with the transfer ban, because now you're forced to play them. Now you have to play them. You don't have the escape clause. You don't have the, okay, we've tried it for two weeks, it hasn't worked, let's all panic, flap our arms, and let's go spend 80 million on this guy over here who had one good game. Now you have to stick with Hudson-Odoi for the season. You have to stick with Loftus-Cheek as you're attacking a midfielder or centre midfielder for the season. You have to do it. You have to stick with Empadu and Christensen as a centre-back pairing, even if they're making mistakes. You can't just go and lob another 40 million at whoever the next David Luiz or... Antonio Rudiger is you have to stick with them and, and let them play through the mistakes 
and eventually they will get past that point and then you will start to reap the rewards from the obscene levels of talent that those four players I've mentioned have, uh, five if you include James. There's so much talent in that under contract with Chelsea. It's actually quite scary how much talent they have. Mm-hmm. The question is whether Roman Abramovich has the patience to say, okay, you know what? Going to get a manager in, going to give him three years to completely rebuild and just change the culture of the club. And in that fourth year, then after that, then the pressure goes back on. Then we're back on a, you know, Champions League is the minimum qualification and you've got to win us some silverware. And I think if you go to any manager, any good, if you went to, say you went to the Ajax manager and w- with that plan of, look, come to Chelsea, we give you a five-year contract, you're guaranteed your contract. You will gar- we guarantee you will get four years of work from us. We will not fire you. As long as we see signs of progress and as long as we see signs that you're changing the culture. Because here's the thing, Kev. Outside of Lampard, Terry and Drogba, I mean, there's no... And Hazard is the only one that comes close, obviously, in recent years. But there's no kind of definitive Chelsea player. There's no Steven Gerrard. There's no Harry Kane since John Terry came through, which is a long, long time ago. We have Trent, you have Kane... Players from the academy. There's no definitive Chelsea style of play. There's no, there's no culture at the club. Everything is season to season, and even week to week at times. It's just so up in the air. I, I just think for them to make a proper fundamental change, because you look at City, who started their you know quote unquote project a good six years after Bramovich arrived in England, maybe seven years after Bramovich arrived in England. But City have a defined culture. They have an academy that regularly produces players who make it into the first-team squad. Um, Phil Fodden is the most recent one, but they've also sold a lot of academy players for huge money. Um, I, I just don't see what Chelsea have done that sets them up for the long term. If if the owners walked away from City tomorrow, yes, it would sting, but there's already a great team in place and the academy is loaded with incredible young players who have a defined pathway to the first team or to other clubs. At Chelsea, there's just this rut of, the, yes, they have this incredible academy, but once players pass like winning the FA Youth Cup kind of level, then where do they go? There seems to just be players at Chelsea who go on continuous loans for years and years and years and years. I've seen guys at Chelsea have like eight, nine loans. Like that's appalling for players' progression. There just doesn't seem to be a plan. Yeah. So for me, the biggest need for Chelsea this summer is go and find yourselves an actual plan. Find someone to put a plan in place and aim towards that and make that your future. I don't know what the future of Chelsea Football Club is. I don't think anyone that works for Chelsea does. I know what the future for my club is. I can see the future for your club, for City. I can even see it for United as much of a mess as they're in. But for Chelsea, I, I can't see it. And I don't know I don't know what it is. Yeah, like you said, it's just an identity issue. I've given them a C minus. I, I weighted their uh, Europa League win just a little bit more, but uh kind of the same vein there for me as well. 
Uh, moving on now to Crystal Palace. Um, we'll just start off. I just gave them a flat C. I think they did what they were supposed to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, I, I, I maybe would have expected them to finish top half at the start of the season, but finishing 12th, they were still just three points shy of 10th. So a result different. I mean, that's that's not too crazy um, over a 38-week season. I think Zaha stepped up a lot um, in terms of the goal scoring this year. Career high 10 for him. Um, Milivojevic, who scored a lot of goals, and so like he, he started to kind of gather a following, especially in the fantasy community this season. He did so much more than that. I think that's really important to point out. He did all of the defensive duties he was doing last year. And then also did most of the creative duties left by the void of Kabai that was supposed to be replaced by Max Meyer, but then that didn't really work out at all. So Milivojevic basically played the roles of two people in midfield, much like Conte did at Leicester. And he was phenomenal for the most part doing it. And I spoke to some Palace fans midseason, and they didn't think that Milivojevic was doing that well. And I realized that football isn't all about stats, but he was like top 10 in almost every statistic. And it was like, this is ridiculous. Uh, the only other player with kind of a similar profile, but not nearly as well-rounded, uh, is Aaron Moy, who creates chances and, and has loads of tackles as well. Um, but anyway, I thought Milivojevic had a very good season as well. And then also, as you and I were talking about before we hit record, the emergence of Juan Basaka as one of the better right-backs in the league had to be of great delight to, to Crystal Palace. I know you would prefer Trent, I'm sure. Leicester might be able to argue preferring Pereira. But outside of that, is there a club that would rather have their right back than Wambasaka? No, I don't think so. And I would say that defensively, he's better than Trent. Trent is just a better footballer than him. And the same with Pereira. Wambasaka defensively is the best right back in England. Mm. And I don't think it's actually all that close. Yeah. Yeah, so he was obviously fantastic. So if you hear all those positive, you're probably thinking, well, why didn't Palace do better? <laughs> it's because they had just as many negatives. Injuries continued with their center backs. It's always bound to happen when it's Sacco and Tompkins, both of whom already had injury histories before arriving at the club. But those two strike. Benteke has injuries and then comes back and manages one goal and one assist on the whole season. Max Meyer comes in. He's involved in just one goal the whole second half of the season. Those all did not go very well at all. Um, I think it's personally probably time for them to move on from Van Anholt as a left back. Um, I will say that the positive for Crystal Palace, and this is something, actually, we spoke about Bournemouth earlier. This is something Bournemouth should aspire to. Crystal Palace have not engaged in player churn the way the rest of the Premier League has. They get players that are at their level, and then they keep them till they're done. Like yeah. Andros Townsend? Needed to move on from Tottenham. He wasn't good enough there. He is the exact level of a club like Crystal Palace. Same with Dan and Kelly. Um, obviously, Speroni for a while. Hennessy, I don't want to really want to talk about it. But they improved with uh, Gaita this year. Um, but just a lot of those players are at this level. I think this is Milivojevic's level. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like they don't have the players that are bad enough that they have to leave. I don't think they're good enough that they're going to get bought out. I just think that they've they've done a very good job cultivating that. Now, of course, this season, they will obviously receive bids for Zaha and Wambasaka, but the latter said he wants to stay. And historically, if a player tells Crystal Palace he wants to stay, their price tag becomes ridiculous. Yes. Like Zaha, when people were like, he'll cost $75 million, And everyone was like, no, that's okay. <laughs> we'll yeah. just look at all of our other targets. Yeah, we'll look at the, the 50 players better than him who'll cost <laughs> half of that. Right. Because Zaha's a good player. Yeah. But that's what he is. He's a good player. He's not a great player. Um, 
like you say, Juan Bissaka, ah, the price for him will be off the scale this summer. So that and he it might will, have he been will, lower, but he told them yeah. he wants to stay. The only other one who's who I would say is better better than Crystal Palace is Mamadou Sako, but the injuries are the reason he will probably end up staying there. Yeah, it's just the junior version of Ludley King at Tottenham. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're totally right in what you say. I mean, look, they did what was expected of them because that's what Roy Hodgson does. And he doesn't do anything more than that. <laughs> they should have been top 10, I think, but 12th and three points off, Hodgie will accept that. So Hodgie will give himself an A on the season. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, Hodgie thinks very highly of himself. I would agree with you. I would say kind of C to C minus. But it's they're just a funny club. They do need work this summer. There's, there's going to be areas need to, you know, to sort out. But they'll probably end up keeping Zaha because nobody in the right mind will pay that kind of money for him. They'll keep Juan Basaka because, again, nobody's going to pay 400 million for a right back <laughs> or whatever it is they'll ask for. I agree with you again on Van Aanholt. Van uh, now, here's the thing. I would take him at Liverpool as our backup yeah. left back. He'd be a great but, backup option. Yeah, and I think you know he's obviously close friends with Virgil and with Ginny. Um, he seemed to be very keen on supporting Liverpool in the Champions League final as well, which wins brownie points with me. So, yeah, I mean, but but for them, I think they, they do need to move on. He's probably on pretty high wages there as yeah, well. I imagine. Although if they lose him, then they'll stop relegating teams. I'm sure you saw that stat where it's like yeah. they've relegated at least one team the last five seasons and he scored in four of them. Just like what a weird, weird thing to keep happening. Um, I do think if they did lose Zahar or Wambasaka, fans would look back on the season as more of a failure because when you have two players at that level, mm. if you don't do anything with it, it kind of feels like a waste. But it's not like Crystal Palace were expecting to lift silverware this year. Um, but just like like we were saying, maybe they should have done a little bit better, but circumstances prevented it and their manager kind of the, prevented the, it. Um, the thing I, you have to do, though, mm-hmm. they, you have to credit them in that they've gone and they've spent money. Like they spent a lot of money on Benteke. Mm-hmm. So the idea was right. It's just yeah. they, the the player is, isn't very good. They spent a lot of money on Max Meyer in terms of his you know signing on wages, fee and the right. wages they've given him. But he doesn't fit in a Roy Hodgson team. So they've kind of shoehorned him in here, there, and everywhere. And they don't play a system that enables him to play the role that he really excelled in at right. Chalk. There isn't was, a number 10 role in this. Formation. Yeah, or, or a 10 or as a deep-lying playmaker that he also played. Well, that's just where Milivojevic is doing. That's the thing. And Milivojevic is more of a defensive-minded. And the two of them, I don't think, are mobile enough to work if Milivojevic plays more advanced. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, for, for, me, for me, the need has to be striker. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. mentioned Benteke there. That that move just has not worked out. I'm sure they want it to work out, but they showed in January they needed to bring in somebody. They get Batshuayi, who I will remind everyone again, actually asked to join Tottenham, but Chelsea didn't let him. Hashtag free Batshuayi. Um, but uh, I, I also have been telling people this. If we had gotten Batshuayi in January, we wouldn't have made the Champions League final. Because he would have been the option instead of Lorente, and for as weird and lumbering a player as Lorente is, he's the one that disrupted City and Ajax. But I keep making it about Tottenham doing everything, and I'm sorry. Um, but, I I think but they, they need a striker. Keep him. You think they'll just keep him? But but I mean, surely I so. with Bashuai leaving, then they just because his loan's going to end. 
Ooh, Batshuayi up front next year with Tammy Abraham for Chelsea? Hmm, didn't really think about that. Um, but anyway, um, who's the uh, big lad they got in last January? I forget his name. But he was like basically a, Benteke, a Nordic Benteke analog. Um, I don't think that's the answer. So so you even, even if you're planning on keeping Benteke, don't you have to bring in somebody else in case? Because those months where it was a front two of Townsend and Zaha did not go well for Palace. No. No, and and it, it takes away what makes Zaha a good player and Townsend a player, a, a player, but a player <laughs> who can do good things. He's he's an average player who can do good things, and they both do that when they're wide cutting in, not when they start infield, and then when they roam, they end up too wide because neither of them are natural wingers. Both of them play inverted. Neither of them are particularly good at crossing the ball when inverted. If they played as traditional wingers, they could supply a good ball, but they don't. Um, I mean, if they wanted, they could give Liverpool a fortune for Champions League final hero, Divock Origi. <laughs> 40 million, I think it's I'm fair. To be honest with you, Belgian strikers hasn't really worked out for Palace. Yeah, but but listen, just because the first two didn't work doesn't mean the third one. Like, <laughs> third if I was the then, charm. If I was them, I would just I would try and keep Batshuayi. Um, I I think he's a player that will will score a lot of goals, but I, their fortunes are going to live and die with with Wilfred Zaha. If if he stays, if they force him to stay because they won't accept a realistic offer, which would be somewhere in the thirty five to forty million pound range. If they won't accept that and they force him to stay, is he going to stay bought in and locked in the way he was for large parts of this season? Or is he going to sulk and, you know, throw the toys? Because if he does that, you might as well just not have him. Um, they, they need to find a striker and they need goals from midfield as well. Open play goals from midfield. Someone who's going to make continuous runs into the box. If you, as you mentioned with Arsenal earlier on, just someone to, the, to do that Aaron Ramsey thing where you don't have a whole lot of involvement in like, the middle third of the of the play, like mid, no, like most midfielders would, but you kind of come alive in the penalty area and you make your runs and you time things. If they could find someone who could give them that, maybe Adam Lallana. I like I I don't think much of him, but he might fit well into that kind of role for them. Um, but a striker has to be the big need. Yeah, absolutely agreed from me as well. Uh, did you give him a grade? Yeah, I, I would give them a C minus, but I, I'm tempted to give them a D just because of, you know, Hodgson. <laughs> yeah. Just but but the fact that Juan Basaka established himself, I, I think that's that alone, even if they'd finished seventeenth, having a kid like that come in and make a make that position his own and, and reach the level he did, I think that's huge. I think that's for a club there like them, I think that's as good as finishing eighth or ninth, you know, because it, it, that secures their future. That's 50 million they're going to bring in for him in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely very good news for Palace fans there. Uh, next up, um, just because we've chosen to do one-on-one off, we're going to have a Liverpool guest on talking about Everton. So I'm sure you will have fun, but they might not. My favorite club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Um yeah, a, a kind of a a mixture for the Ev this season. Uh, finished eighth, obviously. 
at times looked very, very good. At times looked like a bunch of players thrown together, which in essence they kind of are because last summer they kind of threw stuff at the wall and hoped some of it would stick. And some of it did stick. There has been positives from what Everton have done. The bigger positive, though, was the likes of Michael Keane, who came in the previous summer and had that terrible first season, re-establishing himself as a, as a solid Premier League centre-back. Um, Everton, they're not good defensively, they're not good going forward, but they're not bad at either. And you, you can see that there's potential in the squad to improve in both areas without actually buying anybody. Like, if you look at Yerry Mina the potential for him to come in next season, hopefully stay fit and establish himself. And then you've got Mina, Keane and uh, Lucas Dina as three quarters of your back four moving forward. Seamus Coleman maybe has another year or two left at a, at a decent level, but they'll want to be looking at, at a replacement for him. Um, there's talent in that midfield in, in the likes of Gaia and, you know, Gilfie, you know, and does, he's a, he's a bowler when he's in form. Now, um, Gomes, Gomez, who they brought in on loan from Barca, there's talk he wants to join Spurs. There's talk that West Ham want him. It does look like he will stay in. I thought in certain games last season, he looked like a player that could really help elevate them to the next yeah. level. He could just take over games and control them and, and do really well. And in other games, he just disappeared. I think that's kind of the issue that's always been the case with him at, at Valencia. Even at Barcelona, in the rare opportunities he got, he was very inconsistent. Inconsistency is the problem there. If he doesn't like the physical side of things, really. And if he gets kicked early, he tends to drift out of games. But when you look at the front the front, the front options, there's talent there, for sure. Uh, Rick Carlison, I, I think they overpaid for him, but he's clearly a player. And Luckman, I've mentioned already, I think he's really, really good. They brought Bernard in. Again, inconsistent, but you can see there's real talent in that player. The problem is they continually go with the likes of Theo Walcott, who's just not very good anymore. Um, Calvert-Lewin, I don't think he's up to much. I'm not sure he's a Premier League player. I think he'd be a very good championship number nine, but I don't think he's a Premier League player. But I think their biggest issue, and Everton fans might not like this, but their biggest issue is their goalkeeper, who's just massively overrated. And he makes a lot of mistakes. I'm not sure he was, but I think he is now. Do you know what I mean? Like, like his confidence in certain aspects of his game has clearly dropped, and that that position is so reliant on that. Yeah, I mean, like, his confidence in his kicking has dropped, but his kicking was always overrated. People were talking about him like he was Ederson or Allison. And in truth, he was he wasn't as good as Hugo Lloris with his kicking, um, but the fact that he was English and he played that kind of way got overhyped. But as a shot stopper, I just don't. I, he makes spectacular saves, but he concedes a lot of goals. And I look at any goalkeeper who concedes as many goals as he has over the last three years, and I have to raise questions over: Are they actually any good? I think he's. A very flashy goalkeeper, but I just don't think the substance is there. I think there's there's concentration issues, there's positional issues. He is as bad a goalkeeper as there is in the Premier League on crosses. And if his kicking's not up to scratch, I wonder what he's actually offering them. So for me, if the 
the rumours of De Gea wanting to leave United and United wanting to buy Pickford are true, Everton should encourage that and they should sell him. Um, but they need they need a goalkeeper, I think, who's going to be solid for them, and they need to find a third attacker who fits with what should be Luckman and Richarlison or Richarlison in the front three and will add more goals. Like they've been linked with Memphis Depay and they've been linked with Chucky Lozano. So they are targeting the right type of players. I think it'd be hard Whether, for them to get either of them though. Yeah, of course, because they're, I mean, like with the greatest respect, they're Champions League players and Everton are Champions League club. But if they could go and find, you know, the next Memphis or the next um, Chucky Lozano, and maybe get them in before they have that in-between move. I mean, the ideal buy for them would actually be Wilfred Zaha. And it's the ideal move for him because it is a step up from Palace, regardless of you know any kind of laughing at Everton. Pa- Everton are a bigger club than Crystal Palace. They've got better players than Crystal Palace. They've got a bigger budget than Crystal Palace. And they've got bigger ambitions than Crystal Palace. It's just that... Like I say, he's a 35 to 40 million pound player. And if they could get him for that, and you bring him in and you play him on the light on the left, Luckman on the right, and Ricardo to the middle, that's a really nice front three. You play Gilfie in behind them, uh, Gaillet and Gomez in midfield, Dina and Coleman as the fullbacks. All of a sudden, you're looking at a really good team. But Zaha's going to cost something stupid because Palace are Palace. <laughs> So, you know, who who's the, the, the next best option for them? They, that's what they need to go and find. Someone to do that that role who can score goals and be a wide creator. There's there's definitely a lot for Everton fans to be positive about, but this summer they need to have real focus and they can't just go with the scattergun approach that they have over the last couple of windows. Overall grade for the season. C minus because I think the fact they finished below Wolves will be a big blow to their confidence. Yeah, I agree. They were always supposed to be the kind of leading the rest of the pack team, um, but you know, Everton didn't have the results against the big teams that Wolves had. I think freaking Tottenham didn't have the results against big teams that Wolves had this season. Um, but I'm really glad you asked that because it begs the question: if we both think Chelsea are going to drop out of the top four, definitely top six, probably. Do you think Everton are in with a shot of getting into those European places? I would put them below Wolves and maybe Leicester in my ranking for the to be the one to jump in. That's Leicester without Tielemans? Yes. Okay. Without Tielemans, yeah. Interesting. Um, because I think, well, we'll, we'll get to them, but I, I just think there's more talent at Leicester. Um, I. I'm not sure who the better manager is between Silva and, and the Brodge, but I think there's more talent and more consistency at Leicester. There's a, there's uh, a more clear vision at Leicester, that's for sure. For sure, yeah. And I think a higher ceiling as well on the younger players they have there than on the ones at, at Everton. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like, Dina and um, you mentioned Gomez and Mina, they're all a little bit older. Like, they've already filled some of that potential, especially Gomez, who I think is like 28 now. 28, I think, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, has developed well, uh, developed more this year than I think either of us thought he would. We both kind of thought he wouldn't really make it in the Premier League, but he, he had a good season. Um, but, yeah, I agree that there is far more um, gap between ability and potential at Leicester right now. 
Um, all right, next we'll move on to Fulham. And <laughs> there was discussion at the start of the season about both Fulham and Wolves spending so much money. Both of them had a chance to finish in the top 10. And their seasons went about as differently as two clubs from the championship could have had. Well, Wolves, like we mentioned, were beating all of the big boys in, in every competition. All four European finalists were beaten by Wolves this season. Just an absurd stat. Fulham, on the other hand, decided to have all of their summer signings not pan out even a little bit at all. The only player that performed to or above their ability level was Callum Chambers this season. That was it. The only one. Everyone else underperformed. You can blame the transfer strategy, and we did, <laughs> over the summer. Um, but just on sheer numbers, some of these players should have stepped up. Mitrovic, Sherla, and Sari, I think, are the triumvirate that deserve the most blame uh, for what happened this season. Mitrovic started the season well, but did not score for most of the second half, and demands you play to him, um, both tactically and personally. Sessignon struggled in what was his first, but surely not last season at the club. Um, Angisa was awful. Mawson was hurt. Um, who was the left back that they got in because they weren't able to keep hold of Matty Target? Le Marchand? Uh, no, but Le Marchand was also awful. <laughs> um, I forget who it was. Brian, maybe? I don't remember. But anyway, the point is, they were all supremely awful. They brought in three goalkeepers. None of them could keep shots out of the goal. It just was a very, very impressive failure on all, on just all fronts. They went through three managers again, Dave. They did this the last time they were up, and they were like, it worked out well last time, so let's do that again this season. Um, they end on Scotty Parker, who I personally do not think is the answer, um, and they go down with one of the worst defenses in history. Just managed Ooh. to save it at the end um, to not be literally the worst of all time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they recover in the championship. We already kind of buried the lead here by saying that we both think Cardiff are more set up for championship success right now. I don't know which players have championship clauses in their contracts in terms of reducing that wage bill. Um, you can't keep most of those players that you bought last year that disappointed. Not many of them are going to stick in the Premier League after the campaigns they just had. Like Dave, you and I talked about Tottenham and Liverpool's interest in Sarri when he was being courted by Barcelona two years ago. The concern yeah. was with his uh, feet. I forget what the condition is, but apparently it hurts to move on your feet, which is an issue. Something to do sport. with ingrown, ingrown toenails or something. Mm, yeah. Um, so it was a little bit of a surprise that he ended up going to Fulham. But, you know, only four-ish of the months of the season are in those conditions. So where was he the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's going to stick. I don't know who's not going to stick. I don't know who the manager is long term because I really don't think it's going to be Parker for more than a season, um, if even that long. I, I the, the direction is so unclear for me, and I think that's why we're both thinking Cardiff are a step ahead. It's because they were planning for the championship last year in the Premier League. Um, so I just think they're a little bit more set up. Um, but I, I don't think we'll see them in the Premier League in 2020, 2021. But we will see. Um, again, F for the grade, of course it is. It has to be. Uh, biggest need for me is the right manager, which we talked about earlier as well, and then a winger, because half of them were on loan. Um, Markovic did nothing of note. Babel, uh, he, I think that was a loan as well. Um, showed up well when he was there, but he'll be no, gone. No, six-month contract. 
Oh, was it? They actually signed him on a six-month contract. Oh. Same, same, I think, as Markovic. Oh, interesting. Oh, right, because they were both on the release list, huh? Yeah. Uh, and then um, who was the guy they got from Atleti that was supposed to matter and then didn't at all? Oh, the little Argentinian kid. Mm-hmm. I can't, can't remember. That's how much of an impact he had this year. Yeah. And on the other side, you have Sessignon, who is all but gone, probably to Tottenham. We've discussed him almost every window. Just now, he's not going to Tottenham. Oh, really? No. Hmm. All right. He probably he probably is, but <laughs> but you just want to say no. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, we've just been after him for so long, and now that the price is going to come down because he didn't have a great season and because they're going down to the championship, it's hard to not see. And we need him at both positions. He can play. Although I will say, everybody that was. Um, saying he wouldn't be a left back long. Well, I don't want to say that. That's that's overly harsh. I don't know what his best position is anymore. Last year, it looked 100% clear that he was a winger. Then in that role this season, he did not shine per se. Still led them in assists with six. I think he's but, a left back. And even in the championship when he was the best player in the championship, he played most of his games at left back. Well, it was, yeah, it, he, it was like a wing back thing, but yeah. Well, yeah, but he was still playing as, as a left back. Like wing back, left back is the same thing. You're still Especially asking these the same thing. Yeah. He is a left back who can cover in in attack. And we mm. need him as well because our first choice left back went to uh left back target went to uh to Bournemouth. Mm. And we've wanted him for just as long and he's a Liverpool fan and his agent's a Liverpool fan. So let's not get ahead of yourself there. You won't have a clear run at him. But anyway, yeah. here's the thing, Kev. If you ask me to say right now what will Fulham's first eleven be on opening day, like if you ask me for Cardiff's first eleven on opening day. You got like eight of can, them. Plus. Yeah, that's it. Eight, nine, maybe even ten of them. With Fulham, I couldn't tell you one name who'll be on the team sheet. Not a single one. Don't have a clue. They're yeah, in Kearney. an absolute probably. mess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. But he might he might stay in the Premier League because yeah. Norwich like him. So he might end up getting picked up. They're a mess. And the problem they have is that they signed a lot of big money players on big wages. And yeah, they might have relegation release clauses, but relegation release clauses require a club to come in and say, okay, well, we'll pay that. I don't know that many clubs will be willing to come in for Seri and say, pay 15 million based on what you saw last year. Like, there's not many clubs in France that could afford that. Um, the top clubs in Spain, Germany, Italy, and England won't want him. Haven't seen what he, how he was last year. Not a lot of Premier League clubs will want him. So I don't know. I think they're going to have a, a really tough time um, rectifying the mess that they made. Like, they bought a lot of players. Uh, Luciano Vieto is the name yep. of that Argentinian kid. Yeah, well done. Uh, he's not a kid anymore. He's 25. <laughs> um, but they, they've just, they, they bought, they bought good players with no real plan of how to fit them all in together. And as the manager they had... It was a FIFA window. Pretty much, yeah. It was like, okay, I need a central midfielder. So hang on, let me just Google uh, FIFA 18 central midfielders. Oh, look at this guy. He'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Oh, he's a defensive midfielder. And the other midfielder I bought is a deep-lying playmaker and they want to play in the same position. Oh dear, now what will I do? Oh, they both used to play in 4-3-3. We're going to stick it in 4-4-2 and it'll be fine. Uh, because it's FIFA, that does work. In reality, it doesn't. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. You're completely right. The biggest need for them is a manager. Like, Ranieri was a terrible appointment. And in typical Claudio fashion, when it went bad, when it went even from bad to worse, 
he ran away because it's what he's always done. Uh, somehow this man has managed to continue to get jobs. Uh, his only career success is a fluke title win at Leicester, which is a magnificent success nonetheless. But he's a charlatan. He's a cowboy. And I, I, I would be horrified if my club even considered him. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for Fulham, but it doesn't look too bright. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be concerning. And apologies to Russ because I know we listened to to one of these and was pretty upset. I, I think it was the summer one when we were like, I don't think this this summer is going to pan out. And I I honestly wish it had worked out. I like Fulham as a club. I've actually been to Craven Cottage. They they're fine. I, I don't love the really stadium. Love the club. Love don't the love fans. the owner. I'll say I've been critical of him since that season he took over and took them down for the first time, but. Um, the rest of it, yeah, totally agree. Also, the walk to the stadium's quite lovely down the river, but it's the Khan family, isn't it? Yeah, Shade Khan. Yeah, Shade Khan. Yeah, the Jaguars owner. Yeah, and he's the guy that started that new wrestling promotion, AEW. Hmm. Made money selling tools. Interesting. The, well, other, the only other thing I don't like about Fulham is they once erected a statue for Michael Jackson. Ah, that's true. Which, which. <laughs> Questionable, to say the least. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, then we'll move on to uh, Huddersfield. Just wasn't very much of a participant in this year's Premier League. Is that too harsh? Who knows? Dave, what did you make of it? Um, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, like, you just feel sorry for them. But look, no one ever expected them to come up. No one expected them to stay up. And then we all expect them to go down. Once they got their second season in the Premier League, we were, I think last summer we were all just kind of like, this will be it for them, and then they will go. And look, they should in, you know, enjoy every moment of what they've had over the last two years. Embrace it all, because no one ever thought you'd manage it. It was great to see them come up, to see them stay up. I thought Wagner did a great job, but obviously just tailed off for him and he couldn't do any more. Um, he's now moved on. I think there's enough good things put in place from his tenure um, that they can you know, rebuild and perhaps come back up. Um, I don't like the choice of manager they made to replace him. I think they just kind of tried to repeat the same trick of, well, oh, this guy was reserve team manager of Dortmund at one point, so let's just go and pluck him. Yeah. Um, I thought they were pretty close to a disgrace second half of the season in terms of, you know, from a Premier League point of view. Uh, they just, they weren't, the games weren't even competitive for the most part. They were just sending lads out to try and see what they had. There's a couple of good players there, but I think most of them will probably move on this summer. There's some good young players there. Diakabi uh, is one I really like. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Billing as well, but it, it sounds like he's going to be on the move. They've already gotten rid of Lossel, um, which was a strange one because he kept them up, was key to keeping them up in the first season. Dropped off last season, but you wouldn't have said was entirely to blame and then just gets released as soon as the season's over, which seems strange to me considering I think they signed him on a three-year contract last mm. summer to then just bin him after one year was odd. Um, Eric Durham has also left the club and, and he was one that they were kind of very excited to get in. De Potre, uh, De Potre has le left the club as well. 
uh, also released. And Mounier so will certainly like, go back to France and score like 10 goals and then somebody else will try to buy him again. Someone else will pay 14 or 15 million. I think Aaron <laughs> Moy is one that will definitely stay in the Premier League. Um, yeah. I think he such, showed such he's such a unique player ID. Yeah, exactly. Um, could be a nice fit actually at Brighton um, with, with some of the midfielders they have there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not it's not expected not unexpected that they've gone down. It's it's an F grade, obviously, because they got relegated. Um, but they've they've got big decisions to make for the future. Um, number one is, uh, you know, are they going to stick with this manager? If they are, are they going to actually back him? Um, and who else do they like? They have needs throughout. They need like you can't imagine Zanke is going to stay there. You know, what is he, 28 now? Yeah. Although he he's did regress this year as well. He, he's one of those players where when you're looking at the relegated players, you're like, who contributed to the downfall? Mm. Um, because, you know, he's he's not innocent. He does not have clean hands from this season. He is part no, of the reason why they struggled not. so much. No, but you, you could imagine a number of mid-table clubs in, like, in Germany liking yeah. the back like him. Or perhaps he, he'll go back to Denmark. And, you know, there's... There's going to be Champions League clubs in some of the lesser leagues that would like a player like him, and he would yeah, probably. Yeah, I could see him being picked up by like a Jupiler League team or something. Yeah, exactly. Something like Anderlecht might very much, yeah. or could Ajax like him if you know if they sell on the Ligt and, and maybe want an experienced head at centre back? Yeah, they, they've been willing to bring in older players of late, and it clearly worked this season. Yeah, so I mean, he, he'll definitely get offers, and I'd imagine. He doesn't want to be playing championship football at this point in his career, um, so you'd expect him to go. So they'll need they need a centre back anyway. They'll probably need two. Um, you'd imagine Congola will go because he's on good wages. Um, as I said, Moy will go. So there's going to be you know, and, and probably Billing. There'll be a couple of midfielders needed. Mounier, as you said, he's definitely going at a loss, at a, probably a big loss. But so the, the, they just the couldn't afford to whiff on well. him. And they sure did. Yeah, that's it. They did big time, and that's what—that's really what killed them—is they just couldn't score goals because they had spells where defensively they were quite good. They just, but they were losing games one and two nil, um, because they just couldn't score goals. So you'd have to imagine they'll they'll have to address throughout the team. They need a new spine, goalkeeper, centre backs, midfield, and attack. So a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. Um, not this past summer window but the one before both Huddersfield and Brighton were in for Jansen on deadline day mm. both of them should have done it the end um <laughs> anyway um we will take a break here um so thanks to Dave for coming on uh, tell the folks where they can find you Anfield Index AnfieldIndex.com Anfield Index Pro we have an app you can subscribe to our Liverpool based podcast it's five quid a month or 40 quid for the year, so you get two months free. Um, lots and lots of great content. Lots of unique content as well. There's a lot of tactical-based stuff. We've got the Under Pressure pod, which is groundbreaking statistical analysis, been quoted in university lecturers. It's been quoted in the Sunday Times on countless occasions by Jonathan Northcote, who is a Liverpool uh, covering journalist who's also an AI Pro subscriber. Um, we have things like the fatigue index with Simon Brundish and Marty Lockram, where they look at you know physical loading on players and marginal gains, things like that fascinating stuff. We've got a minefield po- podcast, which is two professional 
sports psychologists talking about the effects of different things on, on players. Money talks with Mo Chatra. Mo Chatra, for those that don't know, is a financial wizard. He was the first person anywhere to expose the cheating going on in Manchester City. And he was ridiculed for it. And now all those people are kissing his ass and asking to come on his podcast and talk about it. So, yeah, lots and lots of really diverse stuff. And we've got a weekly podcast with Kenny Dalglish as well, which no one else is offering and no one else ever will offer because Kenny only likes the best. So he's with AI Pro. <laughs> yeah, certainly if you're a Liverpool fan, you have to check it out. And even if you're not, our stuff is on there. And I know there's some other non-Liverpool content. They've got comics and movies and all kinds of stuff like yeah. that over there as well. So if that tickles your fancy, check that out. Dave, an absolute pleasure. In reality, we're going to take like a five-minute break and then record the second half, but we're going to do the facade of exiting. So, Dave, it was lovely speaking with you. A a pleasure as always, Kev. (laughs) Thanks for listening, (laughs) and uh, we hope you keep tuning in to EPL Roundtable. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.